There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, it's drag for straight men. It is drag for straight men. And they would do reveals. Like they would come out in their little robes and like take it like it lights. It was a, it was a drag show. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? This week, we've got Brandon Kyle Goodman. You know them from Big Mouth. You know them as the winner of the Gay Ass Live Show, champion of character actress knowledge. And they're here to give an unbelievable conversation. I want to wish you all an official happy Pride, and I'm already really tired. Uh, we Hope Pride was this past weekend, and... Against my better judgment, I was in WeHo all three days of the weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. But honestly, despite the exhaust, it was pretty incredible. I got to see Adina Menzel perform. She sang from Rent. I saw Carly Rae Jepsen solidify herself as a mother. I also saw Lance Bass. I ordered a pizza next to Cody Rigsby. And I saw Twinks trip in their own vomit. (laughs) Love is love. Tonight, I'm performing in Corpus Christi's Pride, and I'm just, everyone's been so nice. I'm so touched that I was asked, and I don't know, I was excited before I got here, but now that I'm actually here, it's kind of hitting me that this would not have happened two years ago. Like, this is all so new and exciting, and I felt so amazing celebrating Pride with so many queer weirdos in LA, and now to do it in Texas, and to really bring the the Fagotrine station makes me just so excited so i'm hoping that tonight goes great and um pray for me we're gonna get into this conversation with brandon kyle goodman at the end of the app we have an amazing conversation about which real housewife will be the first to win an oscar so please stick around for that and if you disagree blow us up in the dms uh speaking of thank you for all the messages about the the podcast and the show we've got some really nice reviews lately so if you want to add a five-star review do that on apple Podcasts or click on spotify the five stars and that'll help us continue to grow the guy ass golf ball also the tickets are going fast for the gay ass live show in la on june 15th and new york on june 29th so get those in the description happy pride i love you you love me we are one big fagotrini ladies ladies and gentle thems may i announce 
the messy Monday matriarch, the famed actor, writer, star, and gay ass live show champion. This, <laughs> my friends, is Brandon Kyle Motherfucking Goodman. Thanks for coming on. That's a gay ass podcast, Brandon. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. What an introduction. The mother, the matriarch, the messy matriarch. Truly. The messy matriarch, who also <laughs> is a cock, a champion of character actress knowledge from That's a Yes, live show. Um, it's an honor to have you in your year of uh, the rain. Um, what what's been the biggest difference in your life ever since you won the gay ass golden dildo at that's a gay ass live show? I mean, I just feel better than everybody. Yeah. I walk into gay bars and I'm just really quite superior. You know, I look down on people, and that's the goal. It's been different. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am. I know my worth, uh, and I know who's inferior, and it's everybody uh, except for me. <laughs> Well, I have to say that the show as a whole was so fun, but your Cheryl Lee Ralph lip sync was like genre defining for the show. And I I haven't told you this yet, but as we book the next shows, I only send your lip sync out as an example of (laughs) what to do. So no, Oh my God. Thank you. I was really excited. My husband like heard me rehearsing the week for it. And he was like, that's your favorite monologue. I was like, I know, I know. And I had the opportunity to lip sync it and I'm going to fucking do it. And she put the work in and you did. put the work in, honey. Did you, um, (laughs) is Cheryl Lee Ralph and like Sister Act 2, for anyone who wasn't at the show or hasn't listened yet, it's, um, you did the scene with lauren hill where singing does not put food on the table yes. singing it, it was that a, a scene that struck you the, the the first time you saw the movie or like why why did you know you were gonna lip sync that at the show i think so i mean that scene has always been iconic to me i mean that movie is iconic to me it's like what's your favorite film and when you're a writer i think we want you to say like i don't know the godfather yeah. or whatever gone with the wind whatever the iconics are and i'm like sister act two babe um i think it was that thing of like uh you have a dream you have a goal and sometimes it's the people closest to you who are your biggest obstacle Oof. um and how do you uh achieve that and how do you defy them and i think that that movie shows lauren defying her mother and really following her her heart, which I would say now in retrospect, I think also relates to queerness. Yeah. Uh, you know, like wanting to be yourself uh, and your parent or your family being like, no, you can't do that um, and doing it anyway. So, okay. I'm not joking that I talk about that movie probably every week on this podcast and in my yes. life. And I don't think I've actually paid enough attention to the queerness of and like why i loved it so much because for me as well it is my number one all-time favorite film and it is one of the first times as a literal 11 12 year old that i felt understood and i think that that scene is a a big reason and like i think as queer people also want want to protect our family and people and so i feel the need right now to say of course my family is amazing because they are but do i talk about in therapy about how i still have this feeling of danger when i want to express myself fully i do Mm. and so i think that that scene is a great example of while of course our parents or families or close friends are trying to protect us it actually subconsciously told us messages that were like don't be yourself Yes, a thousand percent. And, you know, what a beautiful thing to see Lauren 
do what she wants to do and win. Uh, and I think the lesson being, you know, sometimes your parents don't know. You know, sometimes the people in your life who are closest to you, who you love and respect, don't always know what's right and best for you. You ultimately have to make that decision and have to make that choice. 100%. And I think there's always a moment in a young person's life when they realize their parents aren't right all the time. I don't remember uh-huh. exactly where I was, but I remember almost the exact age I was. I think it was probably eighth or ninth grade and i had like a that's a raven eyeball moment where i was like (laughs) my parents aren't always right it fucked with my head for a minute because they themselves told me that they were and that yes but then when you're like wait we're all flawed and by the way when my mom would tell me some of the drama she was having with her like people around her i said to her point blank as like a bitchy queenie 14 year old i was like so you agree high school never ends and she was like <laughs> yeah i mean some of the adult yes. problems i hear around me even today or with my parents i'm like what is a sophomore oh year it's so funny we so on big mouth we will talk to high schoolers um to just you know make sure that we're staying on the pulse of what the fuck is actually happening in puberty these days yeah uh, and one of them said it like blew our minds we like wouldn't stop talking about one of them said we're just uh mocking what you do in in the adult world like high school we're just doing what you do and it was like, oh my god! Read me, like you know, drag me, girl, drag me down. <laughs> well, seriously, that. that that's like the devastation I think of human nature is that the emotional, I would say, peak of the majority of the world is probably does not go beyond our teen years and of course there are people and i do consider us both those people who have the self-awareness of flaws and then kind of are able to lean into it and then of course learn from which is why i want to get into messy mondays because there's a few things you've brought up that is just absolutely gorgine um so for anyone who doesn't follow Brandon, which now you do and should and must, the Messy Mondays, you basically put like, let me hear the mess going on. And then people write yes. in and then you share it on your messy. Oh, yeah, God. On your Instagram story. So there's um, let's let me I, I've written down a few of my faves. We'll start with uh, some of the scandals and the sexy ones. <laughs> yes. And then I'll get into some of my deeper questions, too. Um, Recently, you someone referenced a 4G, which um, I was also the first time I had heard of the term 4G, which, yes. of course, is just a two-on-two situation but you said that uh it's great because everyone gets equal dick and ass which i find to be such a beautiful poetic (laughs) statement would you have a preference between threesomes or four g's you know what i'd probably choose i mean listen a 4g could also end up where it's three on one or whatever but i would probably choose a 4g because sometimes the threesome dynamic unless all three of you equally are attracted to each other mm-hmm. and want each other and, and have like kind of discussed that ahead of time can be tricky i've been in some threesomes where i've been um the third and it's like one partner really wanted to be with me and the other partner is like nervous or like yeah. isn't as into it or whatever it is and it's just like a, a weird vibe whereas i think if there are four of us I, I feel like there's less likely for that to happen of course anything can happen but yeah I, i'm probably a preferred 4g i think that makes a lot of sense because there's i mean i feel like there's been a lot of sketch comedy about like the third person who's just trying to get in the middle of the two who are into each other yes and yes 
I have definitely, I think, been in all three different positions of that threesome situation. Yeah, where you're like into one, not as much as the other. You're both. So I, I always say now, especially if it's a couple, you know, I think it's easier when it's like three of you Individ. who are not attached. Yes, individual. Um, oh my god, I love, I love your the way you speak. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so gay. Um, uh, but the uh, the when it's like a couple. You know, I really do think you have to like do your homework and make sure that everyone is truly on the same page well, about what's going on. I like that you say that when you say when you're in a threesome, you are hyper aware because yes. That, and I think if anyone, let me just be so transparent. I, as I say that, I'm like, how transparent should I be? Um, <laughs> I, let me be so transparent and give you a half of a sentence. I will say that I have not had much of a more than one another and the other person experience until Mm -hmm. recently and um i do think that there is a learning curve with that dynamic and it's very apparent when a person is hyper aware of the inclusivity of yes the holes in the poles and the walls in the bowls come on <laughs> so i thank you for your cervix um, yes i try to be more uh more aware now when i'm in those situations but a friend of mine gave me a tip um and this was like she and her partner were dating somebody but they did a thing where they all put themselves in the same group chat so you weren't actually you yeah. know having an individual off it was like you all three were in the same group thread and could like you know get the sexy foreplay going that way and i thought it was a really um smart and healthy way to just like make sure that everyone you know feels included yeah um, i love that and it's also it's almost like a um a subconscious thing where even just the decision to do the three-way chat makes it not something you actively saying but just the action of doing that yes gives a sign to everyone that it's like we're all here yes to get on and get off um did you answer the question for yourself when someone said they were planning a gangbang for their 40th birthday how many people make a gang Oh, yes. I said at least, uh, I think it's eight to ten, at least, but at least eight. Like, that's a, a light gang. But I was like, you, you, like, four people, five people, six people, you could I, you could still fight them. That's not a gang. Like, you, need, <laughs> you need at least eight to ten for a gang bang. But I also made sure to specify that a gang bang is ten against one. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not... It's not like quite like an, it's a version of an orgy, but an orgy is usually we're all like moving through and whatever, but a gangbang is everybody against me. (laughs) Me, myself, and And I, I, and my whole, and then the eye, and then your whole winks like an eye, blink. Um, Okay, so then another person wrote in, and they can get, of course, like deep and personal. They said they were uh, breaking up after 10 years together, and they were asking kind of how to untangle. My question for you, because obviously, I think we can both agree that breakups are truly one of the worst things to go through. Yeah. What's your experience with like, the longest relation that you had been in that was a breakup and how did you get to the other side? Oof. Um, the longest relationship, well, I'm currently in my longest relationship. Right. My husband and I will be together for eight years in a couple weeks, in a week or two. We can never agree on when our whatever anniversary is, but in in the next week or two. Well, we'll Mazel Tov, an early Mazel Tov in the eight years. Thank you so much. Uh, but before that, it was uh, about two years. And I lived with this person. I always say if you live with somebody, it feels a little longer. Yes. Because um, you're just in each other's orbit. Um, and that was hard. But the biggest takeaway for me was my friends. Um, I had done such a bad job letting my friends in on that relationship, uh, mm. especially when I was, you know, 
going through some dark times in it. Um, and my godfather, I, re- I write about this in my book, um, my godfather was the one who called me out because when I broken up with um, that partner, I went to my godfather and he was like, do your friends know about this? And my godfather is a gay man, you know, was in New York during the 80s, lost a lot of friends. And so family and, and chosen family means something even more to him. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That like we've now like adopted in our generation, but like really meant something to him. So he's like, where are your friends? Um, and I was like, oh, I don't want to like burden them with stuff. And I had felt like me sharing this stuff was burdening them. And he was like, but are they allowed to come to you when they have stuff? And I was like, of course, like I love to help them. And he said to me very plainly, he was like, well, that's manipulative. Um, because you're, which I was like, baby, that's a, that's a, that's a word. word that there, is baby. a full you word. Know? That's a full word there. <laughs> Let me look that up, baby. Um, but he said, he was like, it's manipulative because um, you're holding yourself as this, and basically in, in the space of perfection, mm. right? It's a two, it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. So somebody is sharing themselves with you, being vulnerable with you, but you're not doing the same back. And that's manipulative because it makes you seem like you're got your shit together all the time when you don't. And isn't that what friends are really for? Like, yes, let's kiki, let's throw back some shots, let's, you know, wipe our holes on the floor of a gay bar but of course also of course as always mm-hmm. also in those hard times in those really difficult times um that's really when your friends are of of necessity and it proves um, i think that you are both seeing each other in the difficulty which makes them more human and also reminds yes. the person who's helping you that they don't need to be perfect too because let me tell you yes. something your godfather clearly is an icon because that is so deep and well said i have a friend who is lifelong friend will be friends until the day i die and she i had a moment i told her this years ago we've been friends for like 25 years at this point oh and she knows this that i used to put her relationship on a pedestal because i was like they always seem so great and my relationship is fucked and because mm. theirs is great and and i don't and i and then i th- I realized as time went by, we were both just going through our own paths of how we deal with our relationship. I came from the place I think of like dealing by complaining or whatever. And then the way that she dealt was probably of trying not to share as much about her its difficulties as a protection or whatever it was. But I think as the years went by, you know, they've been together for a very long time. I've been with Matt for a long time. And I think we both saw, and once I kind of said that, I felt insecure sometimes we both realized how letting each other in on the some of the difficulties and of course a respectful way to our partners actually helped us realize how we were of course similar and just the difficulties of relationships period but it helped our our friendship even more because one of us did not feel like the other one was perfection and we were all fucked up which is what i was tending to do so this makes a lot of sense to me and it also, I will say, if you are in a relationship, it also helps relationship because even with Matthew, um, when we first started dating, I would say you can't actually bring everything to me. You actually need to go to your friends with some of that stuff because when you bring some of the raw processing that has to do with your partner, you can't unsay certain things, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But your best friend can take on the raw processing where you're like, I hate that motherfucker. <laughs> like all that shit, right? All the things you want to say. And then your best friend goes, all right, 
now let's like work through right. this, right? And there's no harm done to your partner, right? Whereas if you give all of that to your partner, right? You want to be honest and transparent with your partner, but you also want to be respectful and caring and loving in the way that you do it. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes when you give that first draft to your partner about your partner, it can be really damaging. Or even um, like giving the first draft of all of your needs i think yes. of like i need this i need this i need this and if you can't give it to me then you're bad and we're bad and honey yes did i do that yes did i have to learn Absolutely. like i because i'm a i've learned which because my man is also named matt so we love the similarity oh goodness, taste. Look at us. Um, that's weird. he and i just really have different emotional lives in our physical form like i mm. give him so much credit and respect because he has such a groundedness and can things can kind of roll off his back more and i feel things so deeply and of course in mm. all directions the joy the excitement the laughter but also the sensitivity the pain etc is probably partly why i do the things i do like you know talking through these types of things and all all of that but i learned through couples therapy this past year that just because i feel something so deeply and he doesn't doesn't mean that it's invalidating my feelings it's just our literal physical experiences and if i need to get something from someone else that is okay and it's a hard truth about relationships that i don't think are very communicated to the world at large when you're like watching movies and shit yeah, because everything in a movie is fucking Cinderella. And you're like, girl, it takes a little more than that. And I will say for anyone, I always thought couples therapy was like for when you're in trouble. And we went to couples therapy when we were in trouble. Mm-hmm. But what I actually learned is like everyone should go to fucking couples therapy. hundred percent. Like, you, you, especially if you like, you didn't have, which most of us didn't have, like, group watching functional, healthy marriages where mm-hmm. people commu- over communicated and like, our parents' generation weren't doing that. No, yeah. And so we only have a certain number of tools. And so if we're trying to get past that to this like next level in our relationship, having some support is really, really necessary and invaluable. I agree. And when I hear people in our parents' generation start to do the thing of like, you know, your generation does this and this poorly. I know every generation has their things. and I know that ours has ours. However, yeah. They have no leg to stand on when it comes to like emotional intelligence and health and communication. (laughs) I'm like, some of the reactions, I'm like, y'all need Fran Goldfarb, the therapist I had for seven years, and she will (laughs) put you together. Get you together. Honey. (laughs) So listen, um, I do have so many more questions about this because it is so interesting to me. But I do want to ask you first the famous gay ass podcast question, which is Brandon Kyle Goodman. Whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, oh, babe? Yeah, that's easy. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Is who you <laughs> blame forever and ever. That man. She said that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. So give me Turn the me um the entree to Dwayne the Rock. Was it the the wrestling days or was it later? It was. On? It was WWF before WWE, which I think it is now. It was WWF, which like really dates me. But yeah, I mean, like it was like uh middle school the boys were really into wrestling i was starting you know when we were in elementary school i think like i was still a bit of an outcast like i think people could smell the queerness Mm -hmm. and didn't quite know what it was you Mm -hmm. know we weren't talking about gay or queer and in third grade but there was a femininity and so there was a a distance that i had with the with the boys um but then once we got into middle school you really felt that separation between boys and girls oh yeah like immediately it was like it was rough and then if you're the queer kid especially a feminine queer kid uh, uh, you, you really feel 
outed or ousted. Um, but the boys were really into wrestling. And so I think in a way to like try and uh, bond, um, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch wrestling. And so I used to religiously, I think it was Thursday nights, would watch uh, the WWF. And that motherfucker, Dwayne The Rock fucking Johnson, mm. walked out whenever he did in them fucking tight underwear, mm-hmm. baby. Or what do they call speed? I don't know what the fuck they call, but <laughs> them and those boots. As to this day, like if you want to fuck with your shoes on, that's kind of hot. <laughs> you said <laughs> like, put the Dwayne booties on, and yes, baby. Um, and he lifted that one eyebrow. You know, if you smell what the, the rock, rock is cooking, baby, my hole went. Uh huh. I want to smell it. <laughs> Your um, hole tried to smell. <laughs> well, it's like I can smell. <laughs> um, oh, that's I so funny is I remember those days as well because you're. I think we're very close in age, and I, I remember the boys loving the wrestling, and yeah. I wish I had the computer chip in my brain that enjoyed the actual competitive wrestling part of it but i literally only cared about the pectoral muscles the butts and that was about it but i have friends who are still super into wrestling today and i do know there's a big queer following because it is camp but the rock i feel like kind of combined all that the camp and the hot Yes, yes, absolutely. I did love the story. I mean, I think, I think, you know, we're storytellers. So there was a part of me that loved the stories. I didn't really hear about the actual, like, who won, but like, you know, the, the fake drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> like, what surprises I, I, me still to this day is how grown ass men, and this is not a read. This is just a true, like, I, the, the fact yeah. that there's such a theatricality to that, that type of wrestling that high camp. Let me be, let, let, help me out here. It, it is all pretty much pre planned right yeah yeah it's all like yeah yeah as far as i know it's like a scripted right so like the fact that there are people who are actively cheering on essentially a play yeah of men wearing next to nothing i love that there is a huge faction of straight men who can really lean into that and i mean it's drag for straight men it is drag for straight men it's one thousand percent. I mean, Hulk Hogan came out in like boas. Like, you know, <laughs> That's like, so true. Boas. Like it was a fucking drag, and they would do reveals. Like they would come out in their little robes and like take it. Like it lights. It was a it was a drag show. Well, and, not, <laughs> and since we are in Pride Month, not to you know bring up the the fuckery that's happening, but like if they're gonna outlaw drag queens, then honey. W- your wrestlers. W- yeah, the wrestlers <laughs> are, is doing that is doing that is essentially a drag eleganza. <laughs> absolutely and absolutely. talk about whatever never mind it's just like and it, they had runways remember the runway they yes. had to walk the runway to get to the ring come on we'll the cackity cat cat and then you all of a sudden i want to see one of those gigantic men do a death drop honestly yes would love uh, to see them try hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So then, so then you, of course, loved Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Did you come out while you were still in the middle high school age, or was it after you no, left? No, no, no. It was after I left. I, I came out uh, in college. I came out my uh, end of my sophomore year, or like the summer between my sophomore and junior year of college and I don't know if is when I came out. If, if we talked about this during the show, but you were at NYU, yes? I was at NYU, yes. Wait, so I was there. I was there. I graduated 2012. Okay, I was 2005 to 2009, so we might have had some crossover. Yeah, we probably right? had one year crossover. Um, so yeah. you came out in sophomore year of college. Yes. yes what yes, was yes. that like? Was it um, something that you had felt stronger to do because you were surrounded by so many faggotrinis? Or was it, were you outed? Like, what did, what happened? It was not that. And I also talk about this where it, the faggotry was everywhere, but it was white, uh, mm-hmm. And so there still wasn't a safety inside of being black and queer. Like it, it still it was like, oh, here are all the gays, but they are white. And at that time, and I don't, you know, probably maybe still now, but there was an expectation of performance. I really felt like, you know, what, what they wanted blackness to look like and especially black queerness to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, the obsession, listen, a- as you should be with black women is massive and you should be, but it was too, to me, to a very performative space. Um, as opposed to a genuine like interest in culture mm-hmm. and in your experience and your life. Like what are the the ups and the downs? I think um I would I actually imagine a lot of black uh students uh would argue that there's a feeling of of needing to be the entertainment always. You know, mm-hmm. like needing to come in and be joyful and play make a role. the jokes. That, yeah, play the role. That's when you're accepted and brought in. So I didn't feel safe right away to come out. I think I was had to like navigate um, my blackness uh, inside of it because as T.S. Madison so beautifully puts, you know, it's not I'm not black and then queer. I'm black and queer at the same damn time. You know, it's like those things are are not. You can't pull them apart. Mm. Um, so I think I had to reckon with my blackness first um, and, and, and loving that identity and then could kind of allow space for me to understand my queerness at that time, just the gayness. Cause now I also identify as non-binary, which I didn't realize that that was also playing a part in the turmoil during yeah. that time. Did you feel um, like when you had come out sophomore year was the, the white gaze around you, the program that you were in, like, did you feel that there was, a genuine support or did you feel that there was like a box that they were trying to put you in or what was that experience like 
I feel like there was from 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 my friends. Yes, I think people knew. I think like I, I wasn't. You know, she was like, cat, cat, cat. Hey, what's that? You know, like <laughs> like I think the girls. Everyone was like, oh yeah, you're a homosexual, but you're not out yet. Yeah, no, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Except for one evil gay who did try to out me uh, immediately. I was like, you're gay. I, you know, what? let me double back. I don't think we were 18 years old. Um, so I want to put that in context. We were 18. We're kids. We don't always know what exactly weird how to approach time. things. Yeah. What a weird fucking time. So I think that they just like screamed out that you're gay in like a he was very confident white boy in his gayness and i think um wasn't wanted everyone to be out <laughs> you know like it wasn't wasn't really caring about what the process was um so i don't think he meant it maliciously but it was harmful yeah. at the time um but i think once i came out uh because my freshman year um my roommate i was lucky to have a roommate who uh was bisexual who is bisexual um and he was kind of like hey just like you don't have to tell anybody anything just like go ahead explore and if you know by the end of the year you feel one way more than the other then go ahead they said gay by man then feel feel free to come out um and so i did do that exploration um and then i ended up getting a boyfriend um i think the summer of my sophomore year or something Mm. like that um and he was also cool with me staying in the closet um until i was comfortable which was really helpful um and and it's funny it's not something that i think i would have had the space to do for someone else, but really grateful that someone could hold me in that way. Um, And then once I was comfortable, I did start telling people, um, definitely told my, like my best friend at the time while I was drunk, you know, needed to be, you know, under the influence, but everyone was really supportive and like held me um, and nothing changed. It was just kind of like, great. I think it was, I think it was kind of like, finally, it's been (laughs) fucking two years, baby. Well, that's, (laughs) that's, I think a really great nuance of, a lot of times it's just like, and then it came out and then I was out versus like, I think what you're describing really makes sense, which is that there's that nuance of coming out in parts to yeah. people and to yourself. And I think like having a boyfriend who on your terms was cool with you coming out when you were to come out is like such a beautiful thing. And there's that hor- like shitty thing that some people still i'm sure say a lot to this day when someone comes out, which is like, well, of course I knew the whole time or like, which, and which I, I, it felt icky to me when i came out and i told a a, a friend that and they were like honey we we already knew and it's like i understand that you're trying to already kiki and be silly but i'm still very much in the like yes trying to feel safe and okay and proud of myself and you saying that we all knew before you did doesn't make me feel proud it makes me feel dumb yes and i don't want to feel dumb about coming out as the literal gay fucking person i am so like there's so much new, new so much nuance and the fact that you bring up that we were 18 years old when we went to college and that Baby. alone, you're a child. I mean, that's a child. You're, yes, you are. You're still, you know, and if an 18 year old hears this, you're like, I'm not a child. But like when you look back, it's like it's oh. still – you're still needing to be nurtured and held and you are – you're still developing. There's yeah. still, you're a child still. It's, it's, you're figuring it out. We just push our 18 year olds out there and say, figure the fuck out. But it's like, you've had no preparation to figure out how to build your community, how to build safe spaces, how to always identify who's for you, who's not yeah. for you. You're still learning yeah. all that stuff. And to add coming out is so raw that yes, the only appropriate response is thank you so much for sharing yes, that with yes, me. And I yes. love you and I'm here for you. That is it. As opposed to girl, I knew. <laughs> 
a drag name. You're like, bitch. <laughs> bitch, what? <laughs> well, I have a memory talking about this age of discovery. I was just turned 19, freshman year of college, and I had come out a few months prior, uh, right before I went to New York for college, and I had never kissed a boy, had never had any boy-boy experience. I have my first boy kiss days after my 19th birthday. It's the end of September. I was so head over heels with i was just like he's cute we kissed it was magical and he wants to hang out in a few days i was like oh my god that girl flying high yeah called my friend from the walk home from the first kiss it was of course in u-haul uh right by union square (laughs) and i then was supposed to hang out with him a few days later and he texts me hey can we talk or something and i was like okay and he says to me i actually can't go on a date with you i don't want to uh, date anyone um right now it's it's too early for me and i of course now as a you know 33 year old man can be like well duh you were an 18 year old freshman in college like three weeks in that was the right yeah. move but to yeah. me i was devastated, devastated. and devastated. i like i and i said this and i and i know a lot of people feel this way but i was fully in the kindergarten development stage of dating yeah. One thousand percent. That's the thing with when you're queer is like your classmates are figuring it out at like fourth grade. Yeah, <laughs> like they're figuring it out in high school. They're going through the motions of what dating is and da da da. And as queer folks, you don't really get to explore that uh, until you're around more queer people. One and until it's safe to explore it. Mm. Um, and you, that might not happen until you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty three. You know, and so. You're in that kindergarten stage or in that beginning stage, even though you yourself are older. And so it also feels so fucked up because you feel like you're behind. Yes. And, and, and then you have to grow like... up really fast. That's yes. what's fucked up, too, about just uh, being a queer person going to college, but especially like going like studying theater and, and all that. It's like you not only have to grow up as an adult coming to terms with being queer, but then you also have to like learn how to move through an industry that is super fucked up and then you have to learn like what you are into sexually and then you have to learn what you're into emotionally and then you have to learn how dating works i mean it is a miracle that we are the icons we are today because come on girl (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot you have to find your pride it's the thing i say it's like there's a difference between coming out and being proud Mm. you know what i'm saying and so like you can come out of the closet but it doesn't mean that you have a grapple on what it means now and so it takes some time to build all of that out and find that space where you can finally say, oh my goodness, I love who I am and I love who I'm about and I stand tall in my queerness Okay, uh, proudly. That brings up a question that I, what I, something I admire about you is that you're not only like all of the things I admire in a performer person, which is like intelligence, emotional intelligence, hilarity, beauty, all of it, but you also have like a shamelessness about the fucking about what turns you on about what is relatable <laughs> about sexuality when did you feel like a strong enough person to be able to put that energy out into the world you know i think working on big mouth was a big part of that mm. um because you know we're spending every day talking about sexuality and talking about those awkward things yeah. and our awkward moments and um, watching, you know, before I was on the show, uh, before I wrote on the show, voicing on the show, I, um, watched it because a friend, uh, no, it was a, it was an assistant on a, uh, 
on Modern Love. It was a PA who was like, I think you would like Big Mouth. And I was like, okay, girl. <laughs> so I like watched it. And I remember watching, I think it was like the first or second episode, which is like, Are You Gay? And Andrew, um, uh, Andrew is oh, uh, yes. coming to tra- – actually, Andrew watches a, a, a trailer of The Rock. Now that I'm thinking about it, watch the trailer Hello, full starring circle. a movie with The Rock. Yes, and he thinks he might be gay, and the whole episode is him going through that and his hormone monster Maury, who is mm-hmm. just uh, toxic masculinity in the in the in a good way, um, was so cool with it and was like, let's figure it out. And seeing that dynamic of this like really butch, like masculine yeah. character take this boy on this journey to figure out if he was gay and then coming to the conclusion that he wasn't and that his friend Nick was kind of like, I don't like, if you are, that's great. If you're not like, I think Nick actually kissed him to be like, Mm -hmm. did you feel anything? Mm -hmm. That was so healing. And all of the shame kind of dissipated in watching that. And then the show itself, I think, does that because we don't realize how traumatic puberty is because we never yeah. revisit it. Yeah. And I think the show allows you to revisit um, this really awful time and realize that you weren't alone, that everyone was fucking navigating mm-hmm. it um, and kind of heal those traumas. And once I was kind of immersed in that world, um, it made me want to f- like do that for other people in other ways yes i mean it's healing Um, to me when i see it because i i come from a place as well of you're not supposed to share certain things or be too much and i think that when i see it come from a person like you who has a wisdom about it and of course doesn't take themselves too seriously but also is super frank it like it's the example that i want to see more and more of and of course aspire to do for myself with this podcast and with everything is like the taking away of the shame and then leaving Mm -hmm. the honesty and then also like for example when we did the live show and you brought up a trick about (laughs) when someone is beating your pussy and you said (laughs) that the best way to get them to go even harder is to go is that all you got and that to me was like minute six of the show when you all the, the panel came on and then it immediately opened the floodgates for the other panelists to also talk about their honesty and you yes. did gave a gift and i i i just listened to it because i released it as an episode but yeah i remember saying like give a round of applause to the sluts on stage and i remember <laughs> the audience roaring because we were i think there was like a fuck yeah we're it, there's not it, we're at a gay fucking show which, yes and like by the way my parents were there and i'm thrilled that they got to get a window <laughs> into that world but like i there was so much shame that i was told and also like i matt and i again have such a uh difference of perspective but he really you know he went to catholic school growing up he grew up queer in georgia where and there's like such an idea yeah. of you know not oversharing and i think that yeah. he has done such an amazing job of being proud of who he is but we still bump bump heads at times of like if he thinks i'm doing too much and it it's a constant conversation that is not easy but it's just i think a part of being who we are and what's going on right now well, you're reckoning. I went to boarding high school in Georgia, so look, being queer in it. Georgia was rough. But you know, I think you're reckoning with what you've been indoctrinated with for all these years. And then, if you think about the years that you've like been told you're too much or this is wrong, mm-hmm. but I, it's like from from birth until what? Like for me, I would say. 27, 28 was mm-hmm. when I started to question things. So most of, and like really like being confident in it is like the last three or four years. So I have like four years of confidence in this up against the rest of my life. So it's oh, going to be a constant 
battle yeah. because you're just those things are like in our DNA. And I also want to say that you do all those things in your show. I loved being at that live show and I think I said this to you. It was like just unapologetic queerness and gayness um, in a way that I don't think we always see in value. It's mm. like, we're told that if you're that flamboyant, or you're like this, or you talk about that, that you're not a good person or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and to just like be in this space and like, it opens with like you singing a song with like two hot boys that are shirtless yeah. and short shorts. And then suddenly we're talking about, you know, you know, somebody's beating your pussy, like, like whatever it is. It's like, yeah, this is, we're all good people. We're all great people. We're also joyous and fun and free. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there's a value in that. Damn, so you're, that will all of I, that. That makes that means a lot. And I, I I think that what you have described about that feeling of confidence and pride in the past few years, as I'm very much towards the beginning of that journey, and that show is my uh, rebellion and celebration of it. And yeah. um, and I think that what you referenced about like being flamboyant was always so bad. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but especially when you're like, you know, learning to be an actor and you're trying to be a performer. I remember there was a big praise when gay people, like a gay man could pass us straight when they were performing. And it was always like, and I remember, and I had people in my life tell me like, yeah, but you can still play straight. Right. And I'd be like, I mean, of course, I mean, of course, I mean, of course the highest honor, the highest honor was (laughs) keep play straight. And then I started, to um audition after college and realize that like me trying to play the love interest and much ado about nothing ain't gonna be the ticket for me and i realized as i was auditioning for more like tv and commercial stuff if i got cast as the office gay i loved it because i was like you know what i'm gonna lean in and be proud of it but i remember people in my life being like well aren't you like upset that it's not the only thing you can play and i was like i know it's not the only thing i can play but why do you think i should be ashamed of playing it exactly what 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 about that what about that question do you think it's a bad thing that i'm that i'm being that i'm presenting as gay for a lot of people to see uh you maybe don't think that actively but subconsciously that question is telling me that you don't want me to be gay on a platform and that's actually the wrong question, too. It's like, well, why don't they write the part better? Hello? You know what I'm saying? Like, why don't they write better parts for queer characters, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, you're like, are you afraid about being the office gay? Yeah, because you're afraid of being pigeonholed. And it's like, yeah, but let's talk about how they write that office gay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm always going to come in for the punchline. And I'm always going to be the gay best friend. Like, hey, girl, his dick is too big. You should <laughs> leave him. And then you, like, twirl away. And it's like, yeah, that's the problem. Right. right? I'm an actor. You're an actor. We went to school. We studied this. Mm-hmm. I can act circles around my straight colleagues. But I'm not given the opportunities unless I need to play a straight character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, uh, write a better queer character right so like like write a fuller more realized three-dimensional character instead of just and i feel this is a black person too oftentimes you're brought in to be like hey what's up girl Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah i can do that but like I'm also that person is still three dimensional. Where is their story? Exactly. I would say like I, I want to see the story where like you know the camera is on uh, that lead white girl and it just like shifts to that 
black queer friend and stays with the black queer friend are they still as funny are they still as you know joyous all the time like would you see them in their sadness like where is their humanity yes Um, well i think that that it's almost like you're manifesting the wish for natasha rothwell's character for the next white lotus season because Mm -hmm. i think that yes it was such an interesting take on Jennifer Coolidge in the first season of White or yeah, in the first season of White Lotus was kind of treating Natasha as the side character that did not have a full dimension. But then yes. we did get the at least the ability to see Natasha's reaction to being fucked over or strung along. And so the fact yeah. that they're bringing their, her back, I like what you can't described. Wait. God, I can't fucking wait. And I think that I look forward to the day where you or someone makes that that project of the panning over and getting the fuller look into not only the funny black friend that they have written, but also for just the side characters that are only supposed to function as a plot device. Yes. Yes, which you feel that whether you're, it's, it's a race thing or an ethnicity thing mm-hmm. or it's a queer thing, these characters are often just pawns for the straight cis uh, protagonist. Right. It's like there's enough of those stories and we have full stories as well. Well, a hilarious segue then would be to ask you a question that is actually talking Please. about these female uh, p- character actress parts. I need to yes. ask you the next podcast question because we respect these women and we need these women if the world was ending you could only save one character actress who would you save there's so many good answers here um i just saw the little mermaid yesterday uh, oh my god i just saw it as well uh, and so like i was fully ready to like save melissa mccarthy um because she is playing ursula down give her an oscar <laughs> i'm going to save uh kim uh kim fields um who plays regine on living single um and i have erica alexander's a, a close second on that show but like the living single uh kim fields and erica alexander are master classes on that show um kim field uh kim fields plays regine who is like this bougie character who really has no money and is always looking for a man and she started doing this thing where like she would just like start changing her wigs and i think one of the first characters to like be like i'm wearing a wig (laughs) like it's it's a you know now today we're like it's a wig but back in the 90s like you weren't supposed to talk about it yeah 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 um and and regine was always switching her wigs out and was always reading somebody down and was always just like making the best faces and the best one-liners and uh i'm gonna it's a double save erica alexander i remember uh reading interview where they said she didn't have as many lines in the beginning so she just started eating (laughs) Uh, so she was just being in the scenes eating and that became her character trait was that like max would come to the house uh, queen latifah's house and just like raid the fridge it was all like every scene always just eating and i was like that is listen brilliant under we love a bit we love a bitsy bitsy (laughs) spider and and by the way if i when you said kim fields i knew that she has had quite a long career and in fact i've looked up um she was first on tv at the age of seven years old however Uh facts of life yeah so she did she did facts of life and then she did uh, and i thought i was being crazy when i thought this but she did do one season of the real housewives of atlanta Atlanta, in 2015 as a full-time peach holder and left after one season and i thought i made that up but she definitely did she definitely did i don't know why she did uh i think she probably i feel like she probably thought it could be uh, 
a good, I, I don't know, a good career revamp. Because, you know, I think the housewives come in and they, like, are able to, like, really build something off of it. But she's just, I think she's just, she's an actress. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I think yeah, the, yeah. Like, you know, I think Kenya's going to want to, like, fuck with you, which Kenya did. And it's like, yeah. Kim is like, I'm act like I, I'm an actress. I'm for real. It takes a very specific type of actor to want to be a cast member on The Real Housewives. Like, the fact yes. that Lisa Rinna... It works so well for her because it works she, for her. She is an actor, but she's also a monster. Like she, like I mean, <laughs> she, like she, and I, t- I mean, the the monstrous feeling I mean is more of like is a master at holding attention. And yes. Kim Fields, I think, is an actor that tells stories. Yes, that she that speak to her. Whereas Lisa Rinna, of course is a storyteller but she also has a different idea of the medium the different media that you need to tell that story on and so lisa rinna knew she was still telling stories on the real housewives but honey she did not mind that she was dragging her entire family and her own yes. self into it in that way it was like one one clearly wants which you know i'm not gonna put a judgment on it but one clearly wants you know attention yeah. and 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 i don't mean that in a bad way but like is 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 down for the attention and to make the check right the like che- yeah i'll she, do what i need to do she will sell the diapers the she will Absolutely. yeah she's like i'll do what i need to do to to clear the check and that's very clear whereas i felt like kim was like i'm still an actress a performer mm-hmm. like and i'm really fucking good and i don't know if i can you know come for these girls the way i want to (laughs) because i still want to have this you know i I still want to do my work um and i think there's a piece of you that gives that up in a way oh Um, yeah i mean i i would be very very interested to see an actor who becomes a real housewife and then wins an oscar and wins an oscar after (laughs) like can like like here's the deal fantasia barino will hopefully win the oscar for the color purple movie so american idol to oscar winner we can see as possible jennifer hudson and fantasia however real housewife to oscar winner that's a different vibe baby honey i don't know i mean if you had to name this is a very tough question we can both brainstorm if you were to name one person who has been is currently or has been a real housewife that is the most likely to win an oscar who do you think it would be Oh my god! I'm gonna just oh spitball god. and say, "Go ahead." <laughs> there's, um, I think that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Eileen Davidson had. She's like so clean ah, that, like, okay. I know she's a good actor. I fuck. I mean, she, I can just tell. I can just tell. Yes, that to me is a person who maintained her dignity and would still be able to be cast in a, a maybe an Oscar vehicle in a moment if the stars aligned. Yeah, I know. I would agree with you on that. Because there's something about, like, she always kind of held herself in a certain, like, yes. I'm an actor. <laughs> yeah. But, like, are there any, I mean... <laughs> that could get an Oscar? The, the biggest gag would be if um Kim Richards um somehow oh did... If she somehow pulled that a off. A biopic, really. Um, yeah, but besides <laughs> that, I don't, I can't think of. I don't know. I mean, I would root for them. Like, I, you know, I'd root for Marlo Hampton to get an Can Oscar. you imagine? <laughs> I'd root for him. I don't know if that would. I think, I think Candy has it the right way. It's like, Candy's like, I'm going to get my EGOT, but I'm not necessarily, I don't need to like be in front of the camera for it. I can be a producer. Well, yeah, Candy you know? is clearly a oh, genius a in mission. the industry. Like, oh, absolutely. The fact that she she's had how many shows on bravo now and even if it, one gets canceled she just says next 
Next one. It's uh, I, I I think we will study her in a couple of years because so she true. has she's really managed to take her her legitimate career and take this thing that you know for a little bit was just kind of like the housewives and yeah. now it's you know the fucking housewives and really build businesses like a fucking franchise a true dynasty yeah i mean i don't know what the net worth is but i know that but you know she's fine and the kids are gonna be fine and the grandkids are gonna that be is fine generational <laughs> that like, is generational that's well. generational she, she's working on that for oh sure. i can't wait for her to create at least one generation's worth <laughs> same baby same well listen i need to uh ask you the final podcast question which right. is brandon kyle goodman we might already have the answer because it's been discussed but i did not prep you on this what is the best Whoopi goldberg film yeah we're gonna just go ahead and say sister act <laughs> can i just say uh, i saw into your mind while the wheels were turning <laughs> i saw you go <laughs> i did i did i was going through my rolodex <laughs> and i was like i'm just gonna have to land here at sister well, well, there are did. so many you connected but, yeah, and you committed yeah. to your gut you trusted your gut yeah. and that's what we have to learn as people and you i think honey have learned that lesson and i thank you <laughs> For saying the right answer, for saying the right answer to you and to me. And um, Brandon, before we sign off, thank you for coming on. But where first can people follow you? Oh my goodness. The main place is Instagram at Brandon Kyle Goodman. And that will take you to all the other places that I exist. But yeah, Brandon Kyle Goodman. Bless this queer, beautiful mess. Thank you for coming on That's a Gay Ass Podcast. And I will see you at the next one. Please. As always, thanks for listening to That's a Gay Ass Podcast. I hope you're taking care of yourself this pride, and despite the devastation of the world, you're a fucking badass bitch. Don't forget it. Get your tickets to the live show. Leave the five-star review. I'm done lecturing you, my children. (laughs) I'll see you next week. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.